0: Welcome to episode 62. In this episode, I speak with Brendan Fallis. You can find him everywhere on Instagram and YouTube, but if you're lucky enough, you'll find him where he's most at home, behind a mixer and turntables. He's a man of many passions and has made his way into the automotive world in New York over the last few years, which is where I found him. His design taste is resoundingly apparent in all facets of his business, ranging from fashion and spirits to architecture and automotive. A fascinating man in so many respects. I hope you enjoy my phone conversation with DJ, entrepreneur and lover of cars, Mr. Brendan Fallis. I'm your host Trevor Byrne, and this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. All right. Okay. So, welcome back to the Bucket Seat podcast. Uh, Midway through recording season four of the show. So, you'll probably be listening to this in early December. Kind of hope everybody's staying warm. And today, I have another special guest on the show. So, Brendan Follis is a DJ, entrepreneur, and clearly a man with great taste. A relevant side note is that he's one of us, he's a Canadian. He has a huge following on YouTube and all the social medias, and I'm really lucky to have him on the line today to talk a bit about what he's been up to, and of course, we'll talk a bit about cars too. So, uh, Brendan, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being on.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Um, I'm sure everybody listening will notice that um, some of the format of this show is starting to change a bit as I have uh, guests that are kind of in around from all over the world, and we're talking to Brendan right in from uh, Manhattan, I believe, right?
1: That's correct, New York City.
0: All right on, right on. Okay, cool. Okay, so Brendan, um, we're gonna start with uh, you know some of the basics. Why don't you know? You give us your name. Sometimes I screw these things up. It's also sometimes used for the intro. So uh, give us your name, where you're based, and and broadly describe your profession. Kind of in your words, what it is that you do.
1: Well, Trevor, you got my name correct, which is very rare when people <laughs> say Fallis. so I appreciate the Fallis call-out. Nice,
0: nice. Um,
1: my name is Brendan Fallis. I'm based in New York City, but hailing from small-town Ontario, Canada, um, which I'm always really proud of, and moved here 12 years ago, and had to figure out a way to survive. I moved here as an office assistant in a fashion capacity, um, but... Now I've grown uh, into DJing, which was originally just a way to get by and turned a career into it. And then kind of expanded further from that into a bunch of entrepreneurial endeavors in tech, real estate, automotive, and um, also have a passion for the finer things in life, or those might be fine to me and not you, <laughs> but um, cars and watches, uh, alcohol, cigars, fashion, and traveling. And right. So I just try and highlight that through uh, Instagram and YouTube, which I've been slowly pressing away at for a couple of years. Yeah, having some success with it and enjoying my time along the way.
0: And and a name that I see associated with yours very frequently is Purveyor. Do you is there sure. you know what's the what's the deal with Purveyor?
1: So Purveyor is a company I created about five years ago. It was originally just a holding company to run some cash through, but then um, as a as a business instead of a personal brand, but then we turned it into an agency um, for talent. I basically was getting too many DJ gigs that I could handle myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started to, as anyone would, you know, supply other names of people that could take that gig, et cetera, and kind of just started to get a little too busy doing that. Just formalized a bit, started taking a percentage from the gigs. I would refer to people and then, uh, yeah, turned it into a talent agency, which, signed myself first and foremost and then uh, secondly my now wife who is our second talent and then we've grown it since then and we have 26 talent now and growing you know strategically when we need to
0: right right and that covers that covers everything it's not just music is it you know you've got um
1: no yeah it's a a full service talent management company for non-traditional talent as we like to say so it started with a lot of everyone being a DJ, but then the rise of Instagram mm-hmm. um, became their own brand. So we kind of strategically work with our talent to grow into different verticals along the way that they might um, find success in or be passionate about, whether it's fashion, film, creative direction, releasing a product, uh, campaigns, you know, producing music, apps, health and wellness, whatever, you know, anything you want to do, we kind of the arm behind it that... that that puts the strategy into it and helps it succeed, hopefully.
0: Very, very cool. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. I mean, at the end of the show, we'll kick to... All the places that everyone can find you, can find your business and kind of keep up to date with what you're up to. This is probably the only time we'll really talk about it throughout the show. As we speak more, I'm sure people are starting to Google or they're finding you on Instagram and YouTube as they're listening to this. And one of the questions that I had for you in terms of like the the overall kind of protocol, because Purveyor is very cool. And what I found was a lot of the, the artists um, or the talent that you're repping typically ends up being blanketed with the term like a, like an influencer. I mean, for, for me, you know, you're a DJ first and foremost, and you re, you know, you kind of achieve that significant status there, but do you consider yourself an influencer? Like what's the protocol or like the whole point of view on that term today, as it's obviously super popular and there's a lot, a, a lot of different activity that goes around and is associated with it. Just curious to know what you think about it or kind of how you, how you see it.
1: Yeah, I think the term is becoming a little more palatable. It was really bothersome to me uh, the last two years. Yeah, yeah. Um, as people started to really, you know, before that, or they're just marketing terms, right? Before that, it was a tastemaker. Mm-hmm. everyone was a tastemaker. Is he a tastemaker? You know, and then, you know, Sprite would be like, oh, he's a tastemaker. Let's get him in the campaign or You know, it's <laughs> yeah. all, there's always been something, but then this influencer word with Instagram just kind of stuck. Yeah. And it became more of a thing, which I was really kind of shying away from. I found it kind of, um, you know, just not attractive. Yeah. And it's, it's not a, it wasn't a real career. So I didn't like when people put it in me in that bucket or anyone, really, I just thought it was a little tacky. I still hate if someone writes influencer in their bio on Instagram, I think <laughs> they should never get a deal
2: yeah. personally. Yeah.
1: Um, and there's a reason that category doesn't exist um, when you're choosing what, what category to put yourself in as talent. Mm-hmm. um, But, you know, it's, there's a a couple of ways to look at it. One, there's the really basic way of like, are these people with big followings on Instagram influencers and then calling them that. And two, it's like really looking at the definition of the word of influencing. Like we're all influencers, me, you, everyone who's listening, like you influence someone, you know, which is like, not everyone's a doctor, you know, not everyone's a movie star, not everyone's a professional football player, you know, like you influence your friends, by saying like, hey, I just got this new iPhone. You should get it too. Hey, try this margarita. It's amazing. Like we all influence everyone. So that's where it, for me it gets a little like stagnant and weird because like we all do this. So where's where's the real – like the word isn't – it doesn't really set you apart from everyone else is what I'm saying. Like it mm-hmm. does now for some reason. But like we all truly do the same thing just in macro or micro senses. So to me, it's like a little bit of, it's still a strange thing. And like, I heard my dad say it the other day, he's like, well, you're an influencer. <laughs> and I'm like, Whoa, that's weird. You know, like, I get it. We're creating this new term and society's starting to accept that it's something,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: it's also like a little disturbing to hear that most kids in America, you know, like their number one job when asked on a poll is like a YouTuber or influencer. And then in like Asia, it's like an astronaut and a doctor, you know, it's like, Oh no. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What is happening here? Um, but you know, I, I, I'm not like mad at it because I now exist in that world and as anything and like DJ, when I first started DJ everyone's like, there's so many DJs, do you ever wish you didn't DJ? It's like, no, there's so many, everything in the world. There's lots mm-hmm. of doctors, lots of lawyers, there's lots of people selling cars. There's lots of, you know, construction workers, whatever it is, it's how you define yourself and, and the effort you put into that job and and what you bring to the table every day that defines you within it. So I'm fine to be classified that as that. And there will always be other people classified as, but I like to, you know, set myself apart, which will always be the case.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that, that totally makes sense. I appreciate the explanation on that. And I think it's a totally fair answer. I've seen it in a few ways too. I mean, I, I I wouldn't consider myself necessarily an influencer, but then, you know, just like you said, it's like, you know, all of us play a role in that, no matter what we're doing today. And so the the defining point, I think is one, it's really interesting that you hit on and it's what I've noticed having followed you. And just, I guess, so everybody knows uh, that's listening to Brandon and I, you know, we didn't know each other before really, you know, maybe like a month ago. Um, And so this is genuinely me having kind of observed you from a, you know, through the Instagram lens and the YouTube lens, especially when you started getting into cars. Um, So the background I have is pretty genuine in terms of what I've, what I've seen. And what I've seen is a lot of hard work. I mean, you're on your grind all the time. Um, The amount of content that you produce on top of being a DJ is pretty staggering. And, um, and what really caught my eye out of some of that is some of the stuff you'd most recently been doing in the car world. And before we go into that, I want to kind of start at the beginning, which I do with all my guests, and know what it was that you that kind of got you into cars in the first place. What what inspired you or hooked you on them?
1: I mean, I think I've always just, you know, from being a little kid and playing with toy cars and then my my grandma bought me a remote control Audi Quattro, which <laughs> was like such a step up from most people's remote control cars. But I, I don't even know where you get it or how she acquired it. I was so young, but <laughs> um, I just love like driving that down my hallway back and forth. And then it turned into, I grew up in the like just outside of a town in the, the country. So I got like kind of a, you know, off-road dune buggy type Baja remote control car and was driving that thing on making tracks and everything for it. And then, you know, I started to notice cars and, my grandfather had like a cool old Cadillac, um, which is definitely like a boat, but super <laughs> fun. And and then, you know, my dad had some, um, he had like a Mustang that sat, a, a late sixties Mustang that sat in our backyard and he let rocks the ground, but I'd always sit it and pretend to drive. And I thought, uh, cool. no way. <laughs> and, then I, and then I remember someone like coming to pick it up and being upset that it was being removed. But, You know, my dad gave it to him on the one condition that if the guy fixed it up, he'd give him the chance to buy it back, which obviously he'd never return.
2: Okay. Um,
1: (laughs) It was gone. But then I got, uh, you know, I was just always kind of into cars. I liked the design of them. I started building model cars. I built little Ferraris and model planes and engines. I built like just model working engines. um, And I liked that kind of stuff. And we would always, I would cut grass on a riding lawnmower, but we lived on a highway. Uh, Rural Route 4 for anyone who lives up there <laughs> Nice, um, yeah. So I would just watch these cars go by all time I could always tell which ones were nicer or not And kind of, you know, would dream about Like having a better car one day or something And then my parents passed me down When I got my license in 16 Their uh, 1988 Audi Quattro 5000 CD Which had leather and suede interior And a sunroof, which was pretty great well, Yeah, no kidding um, And I started to kind of like detail it all the time, keep it clean. I was just really passionate about it and put like a, you know, sound to rock and and then dual a band best box in my trunk, you know, I was always <laughs> into the sound and music. Yeah. Um, so I'd do that. And then my cousin was selling his Jetta. Um, so I moved into the Jetta world, but before I bought that Jetta, that was in early high school or like mid high school. I, I, uh, was looking at like Eagle Talons and like all sorts of terrible, Cars and like Ford um, GTs, stuff I didn't, our Ford Escort GT, I think it was called, with racing stripes. I mean, I was going the wrong direction. Yeah. Luckily, the best deal that came around was my uncle's Jetta and just landed me out of the Audi world into the Volkswagen world. And then I had three Jettas from there. I'd slam them all, like cut the springs, mod the <laughs> headlights, mod the interior map lights. Never any tint. I hated tint. I always wanted to look VRP and I debadged the back, debadged the grill. Like I was just in the, you know, Momo wheels, whatever. Changed the shift knob, cut the shift shifter down. Like I was doing it all. It was so fun. <laughs> That's um and, and then I kept kinda in that world and I uh I started an auto detailing business in Toronto called At Home Auto Detail and I would come to you. What? I had no clue that you coached, did that. That's crazy. Yeah, I coached skiing in the winter. And then I had kind of all summer off except for a month where I'd train or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I would, uh, I'd run this business kind of in the off season, which was great. Cause I would just charge, you know, a hundred bucks cash for a car, 150 for an SUV. And I'm just really OCD and anal. So I would clean everything from like your brake pedals to your, under your seat, find everything, like all the nooks and crannies in the car. Like I was just like super obsessive with it. And I had one guy who worked with me and we just had the best time, just blast music and, use someone else's water and electricity <laughs> pretty, pretty affordable because we come to you yeah that, that's um, that, I mean, that totally makes out, sense uh yeah three four cars a day for cash and was making great money and having a great time so but then i've people started asking me on bay street to come get their car um because they drive to work and they'd be like can you come grab my car and then just drop it back off here and i was like great because it was cheaper than getting it detailed in the washing bay so then next thing you know i was driving around like porsches and ferraris and all this kind of stuff and uh even you know kind of got the the deadly bug of luxurious automobiles oh man um yeah. <laughs> it's so- but then i moved to new york and quickly had a 6 gear bike and a subway car and i didn't have a car <laughs> for um I guess I didn't have a car for about eight years. I still don't own a car, but I didn't Mm -hmm. even like really drive. I didn't really drive a car unless I went home to visit my parents or like rented a car somewhere, Um, you know, but I I had no access to cars, um, not like I do today. Uh, So it was always just, you know, I was paying attention, but I kind of fell out of it. I didn't know what new models were. I didn't, I just kind of, once you realize you couldn't have one, you didn't even want to keep up to date in a weird way, you know?
0: Yeah, um, it's a it's a steep curve once you fall out of touch with it all again i mean even exactly. it, even for myself i'm going through some of these like some of the, the automotive news uh-huh. these days and i'm going holy shit how did i not know that that just you know launched the other yeah. day um even the uh um, yeah, the, the that urcon evo that you were driving like I, you know i i obviously knew very much of the urcon but i hadn't really been super in touch with the evo and like as i was watching some of your content i mean You've had access to some pretty interesting pieces, but before we go to that, though, you'd mentioned um, you know being in New York, the you, you actually answered all of the questions that I had about the beginning, which was uh, which is great. Um, the one that we didn't touch on was when you were in high school. Like, what was the car that everyone had to have? And now, growing up in the country, it's going to be different than a lot of guests. Probably similar to mine, but uh, I'm so curious. What was that car?
1: At like, oh my! Everyone had the this like Chevy Cavalier with a body kit on it (laughs) and it was kind of cool because it came with these like big five spoke Mm -hmm. rims if you got like the right one but one year they put the Cavalier out and it was like it was like black red and white and it just came with this like lowered skirt kit
2: Uh, it wasn't even on the
1: bumper just the sides and the front but it made the car look amazing and it was like the affordable cool car for everyone I mean before that like some of the older dudes had like Mustang 5.0s, Cobras, you know, (laughs) which was sick and like tinted out, but that's like Mm -hmm. super small town. Mm -hmm. Like you just, it's just like part of modern North America culture. Um, But that Cavalier was like really interesting to me. Like a lot of people just had regular Cavaliers, like the ones with the gray plastic bumpers. Of course, And then other, like a couple, a couple people from like one person at my high school, one person, another high school, like, had that car and it was kind of the nice one. And then I had this car, which was just like a D badge 98 Jetta GT that people like didn't know what to do with, you know, cause it was just like, it looked so foreign compared to up there, you know? Right. Like I always thought it was good. I was like culturally educating my community <laughs> somehow with like a different car that no one had.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it's always so yeah. different from everyone. I've never had that answer. When I do the show notes for this episode, I will, um, I'll look that one up because it's obviously like a factory trim. Oh my model. God, pull I'm, that, I'm pretty yeah, sure exactly.
1: it'll it'll come up. It looks it, I like remember it being in auto magazines and being like, damn, the cavalier actually looks amazing.
0: The image of it seems familiar. Anyways, we won't dwell on it, but um, now that you're in yeah. New, now now that you're in New York, um it's funny because I always ask what your daily driver or some of my guests even have a stable of dailies today, you know, yeah. it's starting to evolve into what's your preferred method of transport when I get to people who are living in some of
1: the more crowded kind yeah, of urban yeah.
0: cores. So, so what's your go-to? Is it like, are you, I like,
1: mean, I just, Uber, I ride a city bike in the, yep. in the summer, which is just like a, you know, bike sharing. Cause yep. It's so convenient to get around New York. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, Uber Turo is actually illegal in Manhattan and oh. New York. Oh no, kidding! So you you I have to go to you have to go to Jersey to get it, which is Hoboken, which is far from here. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm going to go upstate, sometimes I'll and I can't line a car up through a brand, then I'll mm-hmm. use Turo. And I've now got a guy actually; he's just got like a stable of like G wagons and stuff. So I just hit him up the rest <laughs> and avoid the Turo fee. Sorry, Turo, um, if you're looking.
2: Nice, but uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I use Turo a bunch when I travel, um, ski vacations, they're awesome. I've had some good little land rovers and, and, uh, and stuff along the way. Um, nice, nice. and then, yeah, just Uber, Lyft, Juno, there's three car services I kind of use here Juno's got a better discount going to the airport and, mm-hmm. uh, Uber's better just around the city. Nice. So it's kind of, and my Lyft attaches to my Delta points. So all <laughs> <Sweet. laughs> <laughs> sorts of benefits from each one, but yeah. That's kind of my, and then the subway is just really convenient. New York versus Toronto. When I moved here, I went back to Toronto. I was like, I'm going to use the subway and like got off and had to walk like 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not quite the level of, uh, of connectivity or sophistication. Okay. So, so you've got, um, you have about a 70,000 person following on your YouTube channel, which I think you, I mean, you really didn't start pushing that until maybe, a year maybe a year ago like you really started pushing that and then you've got like another hundred and ten thousand plus followers on instagram and i've noticed that recently you've been connecting with some really cool automotive events and some pretty cool driving machines so um Mm -hmm. i want to talk about that a little bit but first um in terms of how you're covering this content i always love knowing kind of the gear side of it really quickly like what's your rundown on gear like how are you capturing all this content that people are able to find out there
1: i mean mostly just iphone and then gopro mm-hmm. um i've stuff on a pixel which is a google pixel as well a bit but mostly mm-hmm. it's just this uh gopro hero 7 but i'm about to move to the the hero 8 just came out yeah right or i think it's coming out this week and then in december they're doing mods for it like a light a flip screen so you can see yourself mm-hmm. and uh a mic which is really key because the sound on the gopro really sucks
0: yeah it does and yeah. i have
1: this like little i have this little kit but it clicks sometimes and when my hand slides around the handle it makes noise and it's not <laughs> convenient but it's the most convenient thing for me to carry and uh, look i hate looking like sometimes i have a i have a kid who edits all my stuff out of hamilton who's great sam i love you thank you for being a part of this nice. um but uh you know, he'll come film some stuff, which is very clear and evident when someone professional is filming you. Right. But uh, it's just tough to go around the world with someone else um, on your own budget. <laughs> right. If a brand's willing to include him, it's great. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just like putting the GoPro in my pocket. It's small and easy and it doesn't need a stabilizer because it's built in. So yeah. I have a shaky hand kind of and so it's it's really nice to have that and not you know like if you walk into a store with a big camera or a hotel people ask you like what you're filming and why and like right. sometimes you need permission or stuff mm-hmm. with a gopro everyone just thinks it's for your own personal use yeah so no one ever asked me anything and even people like if i was standing next to you and i pulled out a big camera you'd be like whoa like you might freeze up or change your tone but with a gopro like people just think you're capturing your own stuff. Yeah. So it nice. just kind of lightens the blow for intents and purposes of that. <laughs> yeah, it kind Sentence of disarms me and everyone, here Nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that makes that makes total sense. you know, I find that too. Everyone asks me why I don't you why I why I don't film the podcast and A, I mean, I'm sure you can appreciate this is I don't want to do any more post production. And B, I find that people really, they, they start to, uh, you know, their behavior changes a lot when you stick a camera in front of their face, or they know that they're being recorded. But when you have a microphone, it just, you know, with a conversation, I feel it's a bit more disarming other than maybe having a GoPro or an iPhone setup. So I totally hear you on that. Okay, so for those who aren't following you, let everybody know what kind of events you've been at most recently. I've seen a bunch of them, and it's a combination of events and automakers and some of your your gigs um, as, a, as a DJ. Uh, give us some of the rundown, and then we'll talk about the cars.
1: Yeah, I mean, recently I've been to a lot of car shows, which has been great. I went to the Quail. Mm-hmm. I did a deal at the Peninsula Hotel and they partnered with Bentley and uh, drove up to the Quail from LA, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, I'd never been there before. I went to the one in Paris um before that with Peninsula again, which is really cool. And show called retro automobile, a full different vibe. Um the quail was really cool. And then I went to um the bridge, which is in Bridge Out on Long Island Mm -hmm. Which was just an Absolutely stunning show And Aston Martin Gave me a car For that To kind of Be a part of that weekend So I did that (laughs) And then I just went to uh, The uh, drains Newport Concourse Which was The first year they ever did that one Which was a really cool Car show Like hosted by Jay Leno Um And Amrata And Lamborghini Was a part there So I got a Lamborghini And drove that Huracan Evo Um from New York um to Rhode Island, which I've never been to before, which is about four hours um for the average driver, maybe a little shorter for me in that car. But uh <laughs> yeah. super fun and super cool. Oh, um, that's amazing. and then DJing, um, all sorts of stuff. I mean yeah, DJing from the alcohol brands to fashion. I'm doing something for Canali this week. Um did something for a tequila brand, the chain smokers the week before, haha tequila. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, those become difficult for me because I forget. Yeah, I know. That's all good. A lot of them. <laughs> well, um, we could stick with it. Yeah, we can stick
0: with the cars in particular yeah, because
1: I, I yeah, feel cars like... is easier for me to like talk about because it's a met, they're all like. Not that like the DJ gigs aren't memorable, I've just been doing it for 10 years now, but the cars are like, each car sticks out differently, so I like recall yeah. it a little better, yeah. but I'm, I hope I hope I don't get to the point where I'm like, I don't even remember what I'm driving, <laughs>
2: insane
0: i think i think it yeah. inevitably happens i've uh you know i listened to a ton of shows and know a bunch of journalists who kind of they just you know fall into this revolving world of both travel and driving yeah. and they're like what was it i was driving um when you were at the uh at Audrain's uh concourse it, it's funny there were a, a couple of guys that i recorded a show with a few weeks ago in uh, pontiac at their location it's a company called lbi limited really cool dudes um there shout out to mm-hmm. them um they had a pair of uh jag e-type barn finds. Um I'm not sure if you n- managed to like walk by their display on it, but like these things yeah. were just like it was crazy to see those yanked out of a barn, legitimately barn finds. Yeah. And so it just goes to show kind of like the you know the level of some of the vehicles that were there. There was some really interesting um there was some new stuff there as yeah, they well. Had like
1: a, they had a Volvo, they had a Volvo truck, like an old Volvo like it looked like it was out of like a Batman movie or something, but like a weird <laughs> Something the Riddler would have driven, or something, just super weird, like big old thing. It's like really crazy. There's always people always have like such strange things, and then there's all, yeah, that thing. Like Aston Martin released this pair of cars for sixty million bucks, and like oh sold. They only made nineteen of them, and sold their last one there.
0: Oh you know, God. like
1: this. It's insane. So
0: but. wild. I mean, did have you really fallen in love with anything new? I mean, new or new old in your your adventures? I, I mean, I noticed that you posted uh one of those gorgeous uh red rod emery 356s from the yeah. drain Concor. it's like man what's i mean been-
1: they're all i don't i don't fall like i'm in love with a lot of cars and it, that's why i like automobile culture they just every car is so different and and attracts a different community and drives different you know it's like My wife got me a membership to the Classic Car Club in Manhattan for Valentine's Day two years ago. Yeah, nice. Which is just like such a solid gift. If there's any wives listening out there, great gift idea.
0: Yeah, those guys Um, are awesome.
1: Really awesome. Mike's a great guy who runs the place. And uh, yeah, just super cool and obviously great. I use it for the old cars specifically because I don't have access to those on the daily where I can kind of reach out. Not like everyone at the car club, like myself, I could reach out to the new brands and get new stuff. So I don't need to drive the Lambos or McLarens or whatever there. I can kind of finagle that some way, shape or form on my own, Um, which is also convenient because the cheaper stuff is the old stuff. It doesn't cost as much to take out. But I just find it so interesting when you drive those things in different communities. Like I took a Chevy C10 pickup that they have there that's like matted and lowered and has this mexican blanket interior oh i've seen photos um, of that
0: one yeah that's crazy
1: <laughs> yeah which is it's from like the 70s and they put a vet engine in it the thing is just right. like a beast but you drive you know and like every mexican or spanish person is like you know thumbs in the air <laughs> in the air, it's like yeah like so excited
0: right you
1: know and like other people just don't even notice you and then you take like a vintage you know like a 70s porsche out and you got like you know, regular guys my age trying to chat. And then you take a, you know, a Stingray out and, like, you got the old guys who are just, like, so excited. You know, it's just, like, it attracts different people. And then you take a new Lambo out and it, like, did, like, fifteen, like, 10 to 15-year-old boys just want to, like, sit in it like it's a spaceship, you yeah. know, like, ah, I gotta, like, and I let them sit in it and the moms are freaking out, like, don't touch anything, you know, like, this is insane. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think, I, I think like, car culture is so, cool I, i'm not like in love specifically with anything like i love a range rover i love a porsche i love a mclaren i love vintage i just i like I enjoy learning and i like more than anything i like design and detail mm-hmm. i'm not a car i can't tell you about the torque and the horsepower of everything or what year the engine is or you know just like how many cylinders it has necessarily if it doesn't say it on the outside like i probably don't know you know mm-hmm. but i'm more into like the I just have a passion for design from interior to real estate, like to architecture, all that stuff. And then right into fashion and automotive and shoes, you know, like I, I even alcohol bottles. I like how they're designed. You know, I think anyone who puts time and passion in the things it either speaks to you or doesn't. And that's kind of where my car culture like derives from.
0: Yeah, no, I totally get that. And then you touched on something that I find really interesting um, that relates back to my, my question about kind of, what's the you know your future of mobility in in new york and it sounds like the pairing of having you know your uber and juno and lyft and having access there having Turo outside in in jersey but then uh manhattan car club i mean that is uh or sorry is it manhattan classic car club i think that's what it is right yes correct um Having that as your supplement, um, and I think for anybody who doesn't understand it, I mean, it's kind of like y- you essentially get, um, for lack of a better term, credits um, over the course of a year that you can assign to any vehicle you want to drive when it's available. I don't yeah, want to exactly. say like a timeshare, but kind of like that. Um, and you get to, yeah. you, you have it's access re- to
1: It's literally a luxury rental and it's like $10, $10 per point. Right. Kind of how it breaks down. Gotcha. So like a like a Ford Bronco, in and it, and it's different in the summer. It's different than the off season, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it, like now because we're in fall, you know that Bronco would be like three hundred points, or like thirty points for the weekend or something, which is three hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. You know, but like in the summer, that thing's like. 700 like 70 so 700 bucks right but like who wants a bronco with no top on it right now like you got to commit to that
2: of
0: course yeah yeah it's like surge pricing um so so on that this is this is kind of a funny but this is more for me than any than for anyone else um and it just goes to show how much i i've literally never driven a car when i was in new york anywhere i mean from brooklyn to Manhattan um and uh so i've always been driven um what's the scoop on figuring out the parking game in the city i mean you're driving some really really special
1: cars and um yeah par- parking it's, has that's a that's a yeah that's a great question it's uh i mean monthly parking is a whole other thing but again i don't right. a car, cars so i don't have it's like 500 bucks a month just to park your car usually if you and like exotics go up
2: yeah and then
1: like i figured it out the hard way when i first drove a Lamborghini like i went to my regular garage and they were just like waving they're like no 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 we won't take it i like
0: <laughs> no kidding wouldn't even I let you in two other
1: garages well so they just don't want to deal with the insurance problem like if that right. guy scratches it like he might lose his job the garage might not be like, they might tell them we're just not insured for this like uh-huh. cars over to like two hundred fifty thousand. like i don't i don't know good god but so it took me a while to find hey you got to find I mean, the Lamborghini is nice. It's got air suspension, so it brings the front up three inches so you can get into these places. Yep. Um, But some of them are definitely uh, a little tougher than not. But, yeah, I found a place pretty close to me that is – they were charging me $33 for the night. The other day for the Lamborghini, which I thought was incredible. Yeah, that incredibly
0: Um, good, right? That seems pretty reasonable. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's by the way, that's really reasonable in New York. (laughs) Usually, it's like fifty-five for the night. Yeah. Um, But that place I went in, and they had like a Rolls Royce in there and stuff. So I was like, okay, this will work.
0: Right. It's safe. Um,
1: (laughs) But yeah, I don't. None of these cars are mine, really, so I don't street park them. But you can park right on Broadway. Um, you can park your car for the weekend, like just. 24 hours, like 48 yeah. hours, mm-hmm. it's just like allowed. You just can't park during the week, so you can do it. I just you know, street parking. There's always street cleaning too, so there's, mm-hmm. there's this dance. And like I grew up in front of my old apartment, like every Tuesday between 6 and 8 a.m., all these cars would move to the other side of the street, and then the the street cleaner would go by, and they'd all like file and like form right back over to the other side
0: you know <laughs> yeah it's nobody like wants to lose that spot saving money yeah
1: exactly
0: yeah okay so, um,
1: but there's a ton of garages so you can kind of make do it just cost a pretty
0: penny yeah that's what i figured and i mean it, that must go kind of part and parcel with the idea of borrowing cars for kind of reviews for social content all that kind of stuff what would you say is kind of your uh, like the top one or two tips for anybody else who's doing that out there in terms of the um you know, your, your protocol or like your best practices in terms of borrowing, uh, cars like that, especially in tough city.
1: That's a great question. And I feel like people don't ask that. So thank you for asking that because I take a lot of pride in automobiles and obviously having owned a car detailing business. Mm -hmm. Um, it's pretty important for me. Like I always return, like the guys at BMW, Manhattan, I borrow from the most frequently out of any brand. Um, they're so great. And I love The brand and technology wise there's just no no car company is like that far ahead on the tech side they're just so advanced all the time so it's really fun to drive um but i return the cars completely detailed and clean every time nice and they're always like man this car's cleaner than when you when you picked it up you know (laughs) yeah that's and i'm like i'm really happy about it and like i feel yeah and yeah a lot of the time i do it myself as my wife just said in the background um cuz i just don't <laughs> even feel like the the car company the clean like the car washes do it as good as i want it you know like i'm i'm mm-hmm. cleaning inside the rims like right on the whole inside of the wheel cuz you know when a car's brand new there's so much brake dust on the inside of that rim and if you can access yeah. it it looks so clean if you get like in there <laughs> and it's not black painted um, oh man well a whole new level yeah, of respect for you on that like, but that's that's a classic tip like you know that i think your parents did you like return things in better shape than you received them. you yeah. know it's like that's just like kind of what i practice in that and then second is just like a good life tip it's like just be nice to everyone you know like mm-hmm. you don't deserve this car they don't need to give it to you mm-hmm. at no time like are you special i don't care who you are you're not special enough to get stuff for free you know like
2: mm-hmm. you should be
1: thankful that someone even if you're promoting it and you have a price on your promotion like I don't know who you are, but like, it doesn't equate to $300,000 and like all the time and effort and research and development and manufacturing. And like that car might be 300 grand, but it's so much more in like, that's the price they have to let go for to make a business out of it. But like the factory, all the development, the equipment to make it, the people, the mind, the time, you know, like there's just so much like feel like be nice to everyone because it's like, it's really special that you get to drive no matter what car it is, you know? And -hmm. like, that's a gift in itself. So I think, you know, people take so much for granted and especially with like Instagram, I see it and YouTube, like people think this quick fame is like, like you deserve to be someone. It's like, no one cares. There's so many of us at this point, like, unless you're really set apart and at which point you should still be nice to people yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's probably half the reason george why Clooney, they are like, who they are yeah george clooney's like the nicest dude everyone says he you know, i've never met him but like mm-hmm. you know and like all these people like just be be nice it's going to take you way further and like especially in car culture like i feel like there's so many pompous idiots who think they're so special with their lamborghini and their ferrari and <laughs> their vintage car and whatever and like I've met so many people recently like, oh, you want to drive it? Yeah. Take it for a drive, which I didn't even do in high school. I was like, no one can drive my car. Like if you scratch the rim or if you do this, like, oh, like blah, blah, blah. And now like these people own, I drove like a 1972 or 67, like Lambo GT 350 or something. Like one of the most beautiful cars I've ever seen. I would never even know it was a Lamborghini. It looked like a Ferrari. Like it was so far from what Lamborghinis become. And the guy's like, oh, you want to take it? Yeah. Just like, I didn't drive it over here in shoes. Like, you're not wearing any, I was in board shorts. Like, just head out. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, man, like your car is like $2 million and you're just letting me take it. Like, that is so cool. That's you know? crazy. And like That's just being nice, but obviously knowing your audience, but like yeah. just being polite and, and sharing it, like sharing is really caring. You know? And like, <laughs> I did, my friend's son is 15 and I had a Lamborghini Huracan, like not the Evo two years ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's like, oh, this car. And I'm like, Cool, like back it out of the driveway and like let's drive down the block, drive slow. But like, you know, it changed that kid's life. Oh man, like you just got to think about like when you were 15, if you got to sit in the driver's seat and like even go forward, it's like, whoa, you know? Yeah. So I think just like not, not being like those are my two things like return things better than you receive them and just like be a good person and like appreciate every instance you get across
0: everything. I think that's great advice. I mean, it seems like such such common sense but i think like you said there are so many people out there that are um you know because they have a bit of fame on on social they feel like they they deserve these things and i mean i don't think anybody really does at this point so i appreciate the advice on that um when mm-hmm. it when it comes to your car content in particular i've noticed kind of a recurring um kind of segment titled dream garage um, and so you've got that as a segment, you had some pretty amazing cars on it. Um, are you continuing along with that kind of line of content or are you just kind of wrapping it into your overall content without separation going forward?
1: Yeah, this is the constant battle mm-hmm.
2: is,
1: you know, I just it's, it's like you and the podcast, it's, finding time to do all this stuff yeah and like I it, it's hard enough to put one episode out a week which sounds crazy
0: no that is crazy though it's it, 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 a lot of work it's really
1: hard to do like one episode a week on YouTube and like commit to it and that's been the goal for the last year and a half and that's why you notice like I'm putting time into it because it's like okay every Sunday I need to put something out like mm-hmm. how do I do that what do I film this week and it seems easy like it could be a conversation with my wife it could be this it could be a huge travel story yeah but it's just like it still takes time and effort and like focus. And I was trying to do Dream Garage mixed in, and then it's like I don't have access to like this many cars. And then it turned to the winter, and I'm like, I don't want to go outside right now. <laughs> like, right. Why do I want to take someone around in a car? And like Jerry Seinfeld's one thing with coffee and cars with comedians. I like thought that was amazing, and I was like, yeah, maybe I should do that with like inspiring people trying to make it in this society, which I thought was awesome. But I'm like wait, this guy has like 500 cars. That's like <laughs> yeah. four seasons. Yeah, he's got an like endless stable. And he'll never drive the same car. Like, what do I do? You yeah. know, like, and then you can start to tap into other people's cars, but then I got to fly places and go to their garages. And like, mm-hmm. I don't have funding. I also didn't have a hit television series for, you know, 20 years. <laughs> um, yeah, that helps. So now I'm just kind of like, let me just focus on getting one narrative across. And I, to be honest, I don't even know what my narrative is. I'm just trying to like Throw stuff at the wall I have been for a year and a half It's becoming more clear And distinct But still Like I don't have a series yet And I know that's where It'll probably go Mm -hmm. Um, But now I'm just like People find my life Interesting enough For some strange reason So I'm happy to Share what I'm talking about And hopefully give people Some cool nuggets along the way But yeah Dream Garage I just like I Just like when I drive these cars I'm like I would love this In my garage one day So I kind of keep the hashtag going and if I can add to the series in the future or someone who's listening wants to pick it up and put some money behind it, I'm also into <laughs> yeah, making, t- making that happen.
0: Totally, totally. We're going to do a, uh, a Bucket Seat Brendan Follis uh, collabo on your Dream Garage. Yeah. We'll get it, kick it mm-hmm, into yeah. uh, high gear with some great sponsors. Um, okay. So before I, you know, we're, we're at about 40 minutes now. Um, really quickly before we, um, we finish this up, like your gig in general. So like I said, you're always on your grind. Um, you know, you release a ton of content. We talked about all of that in terms of what you're doing, like car related or not. Um, you know, what do you find is the most gratifying part of what you do?
1: I mean, mm, that's a tough one. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, there's levels of satisfaction along so many ways. Like, Mm -hmm. I love when someone stops me on the street and is like, man, I followed this, like, this touched me. You know, we did a huge thing on miscarriages, which no one talks about. And my wife and I did a big video on it because it's just like, we didn't know and it's such a taboo thing. Everyone's like, oh my God. And like on eggshells when you say it. And it's like, man, more people suffer from this than not. Like, can we just make this talked about so like people don't live in this dark, You know, a friend of mine from Toronto wrote me. He's like, no, I have no one to talk to. You're the only person I've been able to talk to about this. I'm like, that's amazing, but, like, also really sucks. Yeah, You know, like, it shouldn't be this thing. So I think using the platforms to push positive messaging out around, like, things that maybe aren't talked about is cool. And, like, we openly talk, my wife and I talk about our love all the time. And people are like, it's so refreshing to see people talk about that and not be like, (laughs) oh, I'm married to a ball and chain. Deal yeah. you know, like life, uh, like, that's the why, worst. like, where's this old stigma? Like, why did you get married if you're talking like that? Like, stop it, yeah, you know. So, there's like satisfaction among those levels. Um, you know, th- th- these things, like all these cars for me, are like super satisfying to drive, but more so, the satisfaction internally to me, besides like my eight year old boy dreams of driving spaceships is and race cars, is like it's showing me in direct correlation that all the effort I'm putting into the things I'm doing are actually working and the strategies I've implemented are going that way. And like people, it's paying me back and people are recognizing all the efforts i put in. So that's like really satisfying to me because it, it's just like a pat on the back that, okay, you set out to do something, you're doing it and it's coming full circle to you as you predicted. Um, which I think in any job or thing you tackle in life is important. Um, obviously like monetary success is nice and satisfying Mm. at a different level. Um, And then, you know, just like the overall, like uh, from brand people to people I run into on the street to everything, like who just compliment you on the job you're doing. And and I hate using the word authentic as well as the word influencer. The two (laughs) go like oddly, you know, like make me cringe. But like the fact that I'm just remaining true to who I am, and people complimenting me on that and saying like, it's so nice how you do these luxurious things in a humble way. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm from like, what everyone else is from a town of 2,500 people and like went to a high school that wasn't even in my town, you know, like, yeah, my dad was the lawyer in town. We weren't on the, you know, like poor in the town, but we're, we're not like, we certainly couldn't live in Manhattan,
2: you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm.
1: or ran a bank or something, you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm, rubbing shoulders with all these people who i find so interesting and i love networking and i really enjoy asking all these people whether it's friends parents who are super successful like how'd you get here yeah you know like why do you own this house in the hampton why do you own this car why do you own these 10 cars like (laughs) not like why do you own them because you like them like how Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and like all these moms dads people like love answering these questions no one ever asked them so i find satisfaction in. You know, wanting to learn and grow through the process of of the journey I'm on, I think that's the most broad stroke answer I'd give you on that, but kind of definitive at the same time.
0: No, I, I think it's really good. I, you know, I, I hate using the word um, passion sometimes as much as I hate hearing or using the word authentic, but you know, it, it really just comes true when, when you, you realize that people are successful in most cases because of the passions that are driving them there. And that's very mm-hmm. clear uh, in terms of what you've been up to and what you're doing combined with hard work. And so with, with mm-hmm. that in mind, I mean, what does 2020 have in store for you? Um, any, any big plans or goals or, you know, like what have you got in mind um, that uh, you're looking forward to in 2020?
1: Um, I'm renovating the apartment we bought is like number one. Mm-hmm, Cause mm-hmm. I can't wait to, I just love like interior design and architecture and structural engineering so that'll be really fun that's like probably the biggest thing as well as baby making (laughs) which is a struggle so those are the two top of mind things it's like home and future life
2: right
0: and Um, one of which you can follow in your content right
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly all two of which we're filming the whole other process but that'll just be one one episode not right. ongoing
2: right right because
1: right, um, yeah. it's kind of based on a success metric <laughs> <laughs> <It's like laughs> fair enough a little more definitive um and then business i mean i don't know i'm i'm excited i've been talking to a kind of this larger player in the youtube space that i may sign with which could help me um, elevate my content and reach in a big way, which is super exciting that someone reached out to me. Oh, cool. I mean, all the people they work with are like over a million subscribers. So I'm really on the low end, but they really see a window with me that they aren't touching wow. and want to explore. So that could be really um, helpful for me. I really, I really love YouTube. I'm starting, I don't like Instagram as much cause I, I, I just realized I love storytelling and it's more interesting to me. And like, I don't really storytell like Will Smith, I think is the best person who does on Instagram right now. And his YouTube is also incredible. Yeah. Um, but he's like a real, even he's an entertainer, you know, I'm not born and bred so <laughs>
2: It's
1: a little tougher for me, but I like the long format storytelling a little more. I think it, it hits people more. And just like to that point, like if I walk around New York on a weekend, Four out of the five people who stopped me, if five stop me, I'm not saying that happens a lot, but you know, we'll we'll comment, we'll be like, oh my God, I follow your YouTube, not like, oh, I love you on Instagram, which is crazy to me. And that's just a recent swing for me, but it's, it's just a little more interesting to me and I feel that it's a little more relevant. So I'm really looking forward to, to pushing into that. Um, and then just still DJing. I've got a lot of entrepreneurial stuff I'm always working on. Concepts with my wife, we're kind of working on rolling out personal stuff I'm working on doing um, but nothing worth sharing yet because if I shared things I thought about five years ago that didn't come to life they wouldn't be relevant either yeah. so <laughs> right. just slowly uh, you know always in the ideation um, process and trying to figure stuff out but yeah excited about the end of this year let alone next year I think things are growing and progressing and super fun so
2: yeah we've still stuff got like some this time is
1: exciting. I rarely do podcasts so like for you to reach out and and think that's cool and interesting is like super i'm super appreciative of that and again like just sells into the fact that oh my God, this auto stuff is working out, you know? Mm-hmm, totally. Hey, it's cool.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, with that, I mean, I really do appreciate you spending all the time with me uh, this morning. I mean, it's so gratifying to have such a diverse set of guests on on my show. And you've certainly brought another area and perspective to the industry um, for my listeners here. And in the end, I think it's really clear that it's hard work that's at the core of just about every success story. And if anyone really wants to find that kind of inspiration from Brendan and doing what he's doing, um, you know, should definitely check you out in all of your adventures. Um, of course, you've mentioned um, your wife as well, Hannah. Um, certainly worthwhile following uh, Following her. Uh, I suggest you do. Um, you guys are both a, a really interesting and inspiring duo. Um, uh, but I guess with that in mind, Brendan, why don't you just let everybody know where they can find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N, uh, Follis, F and in Frank, A-L-L-I-S, like you fall down, I-S, and then similarly on YouTube, just youtube.com slash Brendan dash Follis, um, which is also very easily searchable. Um, yeah, check me out, leave some comments, tell me what you don't like that I'm doing. I read them all and you know so many things you'd like me to do i would you know i'm always people are like show me your watch collection i'm like it's about as deep as my car collection <laughs> which is, <you> know, like, <laughs> right I, I i get lent a lot of watches to wear but i don't own a lot of them so. all Right, i think they, um, they go hand in hand you know, yeah funny <laughs> things that's where that's where this life is quote unquote an influencer is like cool but it's it's not all real which i'm trying to Talk more about like behind the curtain now, as I just said. You know, like I don't own all this stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't. You know, like I don't own all these cars. Everyone's like, "Oh my God, how big's your garage?" I'm like, I mean, it's non-existent. So, <laughs> you know, that's how big it is. Yeah. But yeah, that's where I'm. At. That's where I'm available to be found. And uh, appreciate any subscribe button or follow button. Um, just trying to keep cool content coming that's hopefully aspirational to the people that are following me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is. And I, I do hope that we can connect again this winter to continue finding out what you've been up to. Um, I mean, for now, this has been another episode of the Bucket Seat Podcast with me, your host, Trevor Byrne. You can find me and us all over the web at the Bucket Seat. And don't stop hitting me up with your guest suggestions and feedback and all that kind of great stuff. I love it. This show is evolving and changing all the time. And um, I'm excited to get this season four out to everyone and we'll be on to season five. But for now, Brendan, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And thanks to everyone for listening. Do stay tuned.
2: Thanks, Trevor. Oh, wait,
0: wait. It's me again, everyone. Before you move on to your next podcast binge today, I wanted to encourage you to listen to something called the Double Clutch Podcast. It's hosted by Addy and Jerry of DoubleClutch.ca magazine, and it's a great way to get up to speed on what's happening in the product world of automotive. They have a ridiculous circuit of new cars they review on their site and their podcast, and if you have an interest in honest and humorous banter about new cars, make your way over to the Apple podcast and search for CA. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Also, if you want to get yourself into some incredibly badass auto-inspired footwear, check out Stripe Design for the best socks I've ever worn. They're the world's first high-performance driving sock with color and graphics inspired by the art, community, and heritage of motorsport. They're made in the USA and crafted utilizing the finest high-performance recycled fiber yarns. And like the machines that inspire us, their socks are designed with function first. They're durable, thin and light, breathable and supportive with just a touch of compression to keep your feet performing at their best. The rich and saturated color and the fine detail they capture the essence of motorsport that you can wear every day. So go and check them out at stripedesign.com. That's S T R I I P E D E S I G N.com. I really do vouch for these guys. Phenomenal socks. They look amazing and you will not be disappointed.